0: That's so on brand for you. So on brand. Yep, very on brand. Hey everyone, welcome to the That's So On Brand podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Mann. I'm a graphic designer and business coach, and I am endlessly fascinated by other people's passions. It's our passions that make us unique, relatable, and people that others want to work with and get to know. I'm on a mission to get people thinking about their story and how their life experiences have molded them into the entrepreneur, athlete, or professional that they are today. You may not be for everyone, but you are most definitely a person that someone out there needs right now. So join me every Wednesday to hear from aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners and see just how unique, authentic, and inspiring each person's journey is. So let's get into it. Hey everyone. I am super excited to have Katie with me today. Hi Katie.
1: Hello, Ms. Kristen.
0: <laughs> um, Katie, how do we know each other? Um, one Fit biz. We, yeah. yeah, we got connected from our, our business program and we had like the most stellar group of humans ever. It was awesome
1: we did. I'm truly so grateful for When Fit Biz for Naomi. It was an awesome experience and I know she had told us this up front, but part of what was so awesome about it was being in a group of entrepreneurs because I feel like we all got to not only make friends with one mm-hmm. another but learn so much from one another. I feel like oh, yeah. I learned so much from you just from like being in that group with you and it was the best.
0: It was a yeah, it was awesome. And I I learned so much from you, from Jen, like everyone has their different styles and ways of doing things, and I think we get so caught up in doing things a certain way that when we see people doing them in other ways, we're like, "Oh, that's right! I could, I could do something different. Like, I could try that. That's yeah. so funny." <laughs> so, Katie, Love what, it. what do you do? Tell us, tell us what you do.
1: Yeah. All Loaded right. question. Oh, so, I know my, my elevator pitch. Oh my God, I'm having PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> Um, So I am a nurse uh, by day, holistic health coach by night. Um, And so in my coaching practice, I specialize in intuitive eating um, and work specifically with women um, to sort of help them reconnect with their bodies, learn how to eat in tune with their hunger, um, which is quite a foreign concept for so many of us if we are someone who has been dieting for a long time. Um, sort of like focused on losing weight shrinking our bodies um so I do nutrition coaching but it's all kind of in the framework of intuitive eating which is kind of a hot hot buzzword right now so it that's is. what I do
0: yeah we'll get deeper in, yeah. into that as we go <laughs> um, <Yeah>. so usually <laughs> this is where I ask you what the meaning is behind your business name but I am mostly mm-hmm. interested in the name of the program you run because I love the name. And I think it's cool and I want to know more about it.
1: Oh, thank you. Yes. So, my group coaching course is called uh, the Food Group Reset. And I decided on that name. Yeah, FGR, guys. I love it. Um, So, after thinking on it a lot, I settled on that name and felt really good about it. And I felt like it was important to have the word food in the name because, you know, at the end of the day, it is a course for um, women who are struggling with their relationship to food. And so food is like definitely the heart of the course. It's the main focus, um, food. And then of course, so nutrition coaching in there as well. And then group, um, was kind of a double I don't know double entendre is that right I don't know if that's <laughs> right um it had a double meaning right because there's like yes. food groups so I thought I was so proud of myself like pat myself on the back Oh yes! Yeah. <laughs> somehow <laughs> coming up with that um so there's food groups but then of course it's a it's a group coaching course which from my experience being in a group coaching course with you Kristen I sort of like realized the magic of group coaching um and then reset that word was important to me because the course is for women who have had a very long tumultuous relationship with food and um the person that is kind of drawn to the course and is best suited for the course are women who have been dieting for a long time really just relying on On food rules, I guess, to put Mm -hmm. it simply, um, to learn how to eat. And in doing these many diets, trying these different ways of eating, all usually with the promise of losing weight, right? Um, Oh, yeah. There's so much conflicting information that it was important to me that this course felt like a reset. Like, let's name everything for what it is. And let's, let's just kind of we're sorting out how we feel about food. And then we're also getting back to the basics of In intuitive eating. We call it gentle nutrition, but mm-hmm. I also frame it as just like basic nutrition. Let's get back to, you know, just the nuts and bolts. Like what is a protein? What is a carb? What is a fat? Like, why are they important? And, um, how to balance our blood sugar, a little bit more information on how to eat in a way that supports our hormones as women, because that's kind of an added layer. So the word reset was important to me because um, it really does feel kind of like an attempt to wipe the slate clean when it's been so murky um, for a long time. So that is the long answer of how I settled on the name of Food Group Reset.
0: No, I love that, and I think there's something really powerful in the whole concept of resetting, because you're you, like you said it. You're starting clean, clean slate, and there's no pressure to know things already. Like you're you're learning as you go, and I think that that's really cool. And I love the name. Um, what about the the visuals for um, the marketing for your course and for social media? Mm-hmm. Like how how do you go about? creating those visuals. And like, I I know that your style is like very like soft and I love that, but I'm, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on, on the visuals.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm truly honored to be talking to a designer and a brand (laughs) expert about such things. Um, but I did definitely settle on, um, I, I wanted the, the colors that I used and the visuals to be comforting and to Mm. show a sense of, Um, warmth and love, because I really do feel like in healing your relationship with food, like a self-compassion is like the secret sauce, a hundred percent. So I loved kind of finding like a really soft pink. I didn't want it to be and staying in that realm when using pink I didn't want it to be too kind of like bubblegum in your face because I've learned (laughs) (laughs) yes and that's totally fun and you know there's a place for that but I learned honestly a lot of it from you as far as thinking about you know what what kind of emotion does this color evoke in me and so I love just kind of the soft pale pink and then I like to bring in kind of like a cool slate blue from time to time. Um, blue is probably my favorite color. And I felt like the warmth of the pink with kind of like the peacefulness and coolness of the blue. I wanted people to feel kind of equally like there's warmth here, there's compassion here, and there's also peace here because that's, mm. that's the place that I'm hoping to get people to with food. And um, it's been a great success so far.
0: Yeah. I love, I love all that explanation because a lot of people will go into like branding their visuals in, in a frame of like, Oh, what are my favorite colors? And like, they'll just do that. And they won't think about what they want those colors to evoke and what they want their audience to feel when, when they're seeing these things. So I think that's really smart for you to to think critically about that uh, because not, not that, you know, everything needs to be perfect in the beginning. I mean, there's always going to be things that are um, evolving with visuals, but I think you nailed it. I think you, you have a really nice style. I know we like, we met like a couple months ago and you were like, I need help. And I'm like, I don't think you need as much help as you think you do.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I did though, because, um, and Kristen's talking about, she and I had like a one-on-one session some time ago and I was like, Kristen, Canva, help. Mm -hmm. And I have, you know, since invested in her Brand 30 Bootcamp course. And it's just been such a help for someone that really wasn't familiar with Canva not so long ago um, and sort of like producing those visuals. But I think, I didn't really realize that I had such a solid color palette, and Kristen kind of like knew it before I did because she had that designer eye. But I do appreciate um, you saying that because I I will say that you know like a pink, for example, you know I I like pink. Pink is fine. I love blues greens cooling colors that's kind of more like my fit my favorite right. way right. but once I identified like what what am I actually trying to w- make people feel then it was like light bulb I need I need more warming colors in there and just to find a way to do it that didn't feel like it was too much too much I guess we'll right leave it there it's I not straight it to
0: orange much. we're not going sunlight
1: right, <laughs> right. Yes. What is so. that um, office quote? I probably can't say this, so you can edit it out if you need to. But do you watch The Office? Oh, please. Yes. You know. Do you know what I'm gonna say when he's? Like, I don't know. Now I'm curious. <laughs> this orange, orange is horish. That's what oh. he says. <laughs> no offense. That- it's using orange. It's just from the show. It's not me. It's just it, the funniest thing
0: is like the associations we have with like different colors, like, and everyone's so different. And that's why color is not black and white. Oh my God. That's the weirdest thing to say about color. You know what I mean? That like, was so good. Like green doesn't always mean like grass. Sometimes it's money. Like you have to be careful about choosing certain colors for certain meanings because everyone is is different and comes from different backgrounds and, um, different cultures. So it it can, it can get kind of weird, but
1: I love that. What did you tell us on, um, BCB about what was the colors of mourning in different cultures? Like, I feel like you shared something about like in, in a culture, there's like, you wear purple when you're in mourning. Yeah. Uh,
0: I forget which one it is, but some people even wear white. Like some cultures were white when yes. morning too, which mm-hmm. is like the total opposite. Like we were so obsessed yeah, with white no, for we like do. weddings and like renewal and like totally. new things. But depending on the culture, like it's, it's so different. It's very right. interesting. Color is very, very subjective. Yes. But yeah. So what I'm very interested, cause I don't think I know this about you. Like I know that you're a nurse, but what made you want to get into intuitive eating specifically, like what is like the event mm. or a series of events that like yeah. pushed you in this direction?
1: Totally. So as a nurse, I love science. Um, I'm a total nerd. I was one of those kind of like bookworm college students, like my friends would joke that like, they should forward my mail to the library. Cause I like, <laughs> loved being in the library. That's cute. I just loved it. it was so quiet. I loved like getting out of my living space, doing my work there. But <laughs> anyway, I, um, we did have to take a nutrition course as part of our nursing curriculum, and I loved it. I was drawn to it. I loved food. I thought it was so interesting how um you know, food can support our bodies. Um, but I will say that was at kind of a a time in my life when I didn't have the healthiest relationship with my body, though at the time, I didn't really know that. So, right. as I got more interested in nutrition, I kind of took it in more of a, A restrictive way. And eventually for me, it evolved into this thing where I felt like I had this really clear idea on what is good food and what is bad food. And it unfortunately progressed to the point where I had a really hard time eating foods that were not on my good food list. Or if Mm -hmm. I did, I had the unhealthy habit of say like say I ate a muffin or something because I like let myself have a muffin, which is like a huge deal. <laughs> I knew exactly how many calories were in that muffin. So I knew exactly how many miles I had to run to burn off said muffin. Right. And so now we sort of know that, um, there's a term for that, that is a little bit newer, which is called orthorexia. So it's this sort of preoccupation with only eating very clean foods and then sometimes using exercise as a means to quote unquote purge. Yeah. Um, And so throughout kind of my late teens, early twenties, I would kind of go from diet to diet. I definitely would try all the things like the Whole30, the Ketos, I tried being vegetarian I never made it to vegan because it just I knew it's it tough. wasn't going to work for me <laughs> it's um, but I did try and I think the important factor to note is that in all of trying all of those things it was never because it was never for any other reason other than I was told that was how I could lose weight so I think right. that's an important weight like focus. factor exactly um and so as I was continuing with my life of being a nurse and sort of in a very restrictive uh, way with eating and just frankly not being very kind to my body. Um, I reached a point when I just realized how exhausted and in pain I was. Like it definitely came out very physically for me. Mm. Um, I was in pain, I was so tired. I definitely had um, chronic fatigue and adrenal fatigue. I can feel that now sort of looking back on it. and. I had been thinking for some time about kind of going off and doing something in my own venture. I knew I liked nutrition. I was aware that I still had things to work on myself, Personally, but I, yeah. I Personally, yes, but I felt this pull to kind of branch out and do something a little bit different. And so when my now husband and I moved to New Hampshire for a few years when he was in grad school, it was the perfect time for me, I sort of took a break from my hospital life, and I did a health coaching program. And so things kind of started to turn from there in that program i learned a lot about many um, dietary theories and i also started to learn about food psychology and so Mm. that was when i really found myself drawn to like why is it people feel cravings and i learned more about like when you have a restriction mindset with food you're going to be more apt to crave certain things and then that really just set me on a path of like i found bunch of authors that i loved and eventually i found intuitive eating and that's when i was like oh this is it this is what i have been looking for and after doing a lot of work on myself i realized that um there's a lot of women like me who were struggling with food um and i really wanted to create something to help women that had been struggling the way i had and so Q One Fit Biz, cue the food group reset, and uh, the rest is history.
0: I could definitely relate to feeling like controlled by food. I was obsessed with macros for a while when I was competing in Spartan races. That was like my thing. I was like calculating my macros, <laughs> and I thought it was so cool and like in shape and like healthy. And then it just reached a point where I was like. I don't like, this is a lot of work and I don't think it needs to be this much work. Like I met other people who were doing like the same races as me and they're like, oh, I don't do that. And I'm like, oh, and you're like performing better than me. I must be missing something here. Not that like everything you eat is going to affect your racing. Like there's other aspects of course, but it just got me thinking. I'm like, there's gotta be a different way. And I wouldn't say that like I practice intuitive eating because I like I've never read any books about intuitive eating, but I just kind of like eat what I want and I follow my cravings. And I've been mm-hmm. so much happier just like not thinking about what I'm eating all the time. It's just so much work, so much mental energy is taken up by like mm-hmm. food when you're thinking about it yes. that much. It's crazy.
1: I think you're probably just a natural, I think you're a natural intuitive eater. <laughs> That's what you are
0: it's, it's been interesting being vegan and, and going through that same process. Cause I feel like I've had to like, there, there are some things you have to pay attention to when, when you're vegan is making sure totally. you're getting the right nutrients and enough totally. protein and all that stuff. But well, it's been a lot easier I than I you, thought.
1: I was going to say, I love that you bring that up though, because I think that that is a common misconception about intuitive eating is that there's no room for kind of like collecting data and like being aware of what you need and I don't say collecting data in the sense that like I think for the women that I work with something like food tracking, macro tracking, calorie tracking, that's a, that's a bit too triggering, but I have found in my experience working with women that most women are not getting enough food because there's just this constant narrative of like less is better. You know, it's like a one for one. If you have this many less calories, you'll lose this much weight. There's that whole kind of that tough mindset to get out of, but I think it's really wise to know how much you need, where's your hunger line? How do you you kind of make sure you're getting enough so that you don't tank your blood sugar? Like that's all a part of intuitive eating. So I think absolutely what you described, I mean, really intuitive eating is like, it's just the act of not dieting and being in touch with your body. That's really all it is. But, um, I think it it gets a little tricky because we want to like put a label on it. And then I have also found in my experience, I think it, it, freaks people out because they're like
0: no rules and it's like yeah they think it's a free-for-all and that you're like gonna eat brownies every day which you might right right they they just they don't they think it's a lack of like knowledge almost when it's in fact like the total opposite
1: totally it's it's just that the knowledge is based on like you have to go through sometimes eating things that don't agree with you to figure out that they don't agree with you. Like, I loved how you brought up that, like eating brownies all the time, because that is a hundred percent. I feel like one of the biggest fears I hear from people is like, well, if I don't have rules, then I'm just going to eat pizza and ice cream all the time. And, you know, I really just have to try to gently educate people. And there is a little bit of a leap of faith there, but you have to know that your body is smart and your body is, I can guarantee you, you are not going to eat pizza for three meals a day, seven days a week for the rest of your life. No, it's like when you go on
0: vacation and you eat like crap for a while and you're like, I need a head of broccoli. (laughs)
1: Right, right. Like, and, and there is a little bit of, if you are someone who has been restricting for a long time. And maybe have had some patterns of disordered eating. There is a little bit of a learning curve when you start to get away from the rules. That you may find yourself craving things that you've restricted in the past, but that's okay. And you have to kind of
0: part of the process
1: trust. It's part of the process, and it's part of like learning when you're hungry, learning when you're full, because those those are really difficult for someone who's purely been eating off of macros or portions or just not actually listening to their stomach they're playing by the by the rules whatever those rules are um so I feel like you brought up kind of some really important misconceptions honestly not that you were having a misconception but like you brought up points that I think really uh deter people from intuitive eating so I'm glad to like talk about them a little bit
0: no that's good and this is kind of related to my next question which is what is a pet peeve you have about oh, your industry,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> which I'm sure you have <laughs> many, but
1: <laughs> that actually is a hundred percent. Uh, what my answer would be is that I think there's a lot of misinformation and misconceptions. Um, and I think that there is also a sticking point where it's like, what if I, what if I can't, what if there's something I can't eat? Like, what if I have like a medical diagnosis or a food allergy or something like, can I still do intuitive eating with sort of a restriction? Like, how can I eat without restrictions, but with a restriction? Um, And I love when people ask me that because it's like, okay, let's reframe this. If there is a food that you are sensitive to, or, you know, you find out that you have an autoimmune disease and you like dairy is really something you should stay away from. That is a very different energy from I'm not going to have dairy because I'm afraid of it. I'm afraid right. it's going to make me gain weight. You know, I've read all these things on the dairy industry and like, you know, like I don't want to dive. Yeah, too exactly. Deep. Right, I don't want to dive too deep into that because there are pro. You know, in everything there are problems, but I think that when it's I'm a big fan of dairy for myself i can right. digest dairy i feel like i approach dairy in like a respectful way and try to do my homework and support the farms and the cows and make sure you know all those things but anyway right. um i think that that is uh a misconception is that well if i have something i can't eat like i can't do intuitive eating right. it's a lot all about living right. rules exactly right. and it's like I Just to echo what I said earlier, really all intuitive eating is, is eating according to what your body wants and right. saying, I can't eat this because it's a part of my health and I have a reason why I can't eat it. That's very different from saying, I'm not allowed to have brownies. It's right. like, well actually, I'm really hungry right now. I know I need something of substance, like a brownie's right in front of me and that's tempting, but I've done this before. I've had a brownie when I'm ravenous and mm. it didn't do what I wanted it to do. So I'm going right. to eat something grounding, something filling first. And then if I want the brownie after I can still have it then. No, I, and do only, so that I do I do right? intuitive
0: eating. Then course, yes, even You're it. just
1: a natural girl. <laughs> It's just learning how to eat in accordance with what your body wants. But for people who've been so disconnected from their bodies for such a long time, it's a tall order, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Cause I feel like this happens like every night I'm like, cause I always have to end with something sweet. I just have to, it's Mm. just
1: me. Yeah. think makes me happy.
0: So I'm like, okay, I want ice cream, but like, I'm actually hungry, like actively hungry. Mm. So I know I need Mm. to have something else before I eat it. And then if I still want it, then I will, or I'll just have less. And that's cool. I feel like I'm I'm doing intuitive eating without even like knowing it.
1: <laughs> you totally are. Wait, can you tell me more about like your nightly dessert? Because I'm interested and I love this. And I'm also in full support of this, like know thyself, <laughs> know what you need.
0: So, I mean, it's, it's interesting because I've kind of over the past few months changed the way I eat because obviously I went vegan, but what I mean by change is like I used to be one of those people who ate like very early like I was like a 5 or 5 30 p.m dinner person that's so insane to me now because now I'm like if I'm eating before six that's like wicked early usually we're eating around 6 37 now because now that I'm vegan I'm making more of my food I'm doing less of the quick stuff and like making things from mm, scratch because mm-hmm. it just tastes so much yeah. better and I've been having yeah. fun just like exploring new recipes so Usually I'm not really that hungry at night anymore because I'm eating a little bit later. So usually I I am just like going straight for the ice cream. But some days I'm like, I want a yogurt. I want some like chocolate chips and a yogurt, a vegan yogurt, of course. Yes. But I I love putting chocolate chips in my yogurt. That's like my favorite.
1: (laughs) Wait, you are like my spirit animal because that is one of the things I love to share with people because sometimes it's like, sometimes I want ice cream, but sometimes, especially if I'm still a little hungry, I love doing a yogurt after dinner. It just adds more protein and then putting some chocolate. Like I literally do the same thing. I put some chocolate chips in it, maybe put some cinnamon in it, depending on the flavor. Um, Yeah, I love that. And then do you ever, are you like a pretty religious every night or do you ever find like there are some nights when you're like, "Nah, yeah, I'm good.
0: Oh yeah. Usually like last night I had ice cream, but the night before I did not, I don't even know if I had a snack. Although sometimes I have like baked goods, sometimes I make some like banana bread with some old bananas, and we got that nice. lying around. But I made that, and I was like so psyched about it. And then like I think I had like two slices all week. Like I let Dylan have it because I was just like I don't actually really want it. Like I think I wanted it at the time, but yeah. wasn't craving it the rest of the, the week. It's interesting. But like
1: that, Kristen is food freedom. That is like like there are people that I work with, and I don't know if you've ever like been in this place, but there are people that I work with that like can't feel like they can't have those things in their house because it's like if I have ice cream, I will eat the whole thing. If I buy chips, I will eat the whole bag. Um, but that's but like where you are, that's like the end game. And like I'm there, (laughs) I'm there now, but it's taken me years. And so that's part of the reason why like I'm so passionate about my course is because of everything that you said. It's like just the, the mental space, the freedom Mm -hmm. that you, you know, bring back into your life when you aren't spending all this time and energy. I mean, it's like, it's good for the world, right? Like you can get back on with your life and like doing what you do and being a good, like friend and girlfriend and daughter. And like, you can take that I mean the space it frees up is just like everything right oh yeah
0: I and I never I don't think I ever had issues with like the binging I, mm. I always had the the in quotations crap in my house and I never really binged yeah. on it but I had more of an issue with like the feeling of guilt after eating mm. it I always felt guilty or I, I always like overthought I was like I don't know if I should have this like I just made it like this massive deal when it didn't need to be
1: but that's amazing. Like, look at you now. And some of that I've found is just like giving people a chance to work through it. And um, that's one reason why I love the group aspect of things too, is because it's also really powerful to get other women together who have been struggling with the same thing, because I think there's a lot of shame that's released. It's like, oh my God, I'm not the only one. I thought I was the only one. Uh, And just being able to- to do that yeah with other people I think is really huge
0: yeah I do have to give some credit to Naomi because before she was our business coach she was Mm -hmm. doing intuitive eating and like nutrition coaching and so I worked with her for a few months and she definitely helped me understand why I felt the way I did because like I I was having so many IBS issues um, and most of them are actually gone now that I'm vegan because I realized it was mostly with like dairy and processed stuff, but I didn't really realize how much processed food I was eating. And then Mm -hmm. I also wasn't eating a variety of things. And I think I just wasn't exploring enough. Once I explored, I was like, oh, I actually like this kind of vegetable that I didn't know how to prepare before. You know, like I think it just doing that exploration was super helpful because I wouldn't, I'm a creature of habit. I wouldn't have done that on my own at all. (laughs) Totally.
1: That's so cool. You say that because even though I never got to the point where I tried being vegan, but I did try being vegetarian. And, um, again, even though like my motives weren't pure for that, I did feel like having a chance to be vegetarian. I felt like I got so much more creative with like the vegetables that I tried and how I prepared them. And so even that like had its place in my learning process, um, so I feel like I can, I can understand what you mean by that. Just kind of like exploring more and trying new things. And, um, my God, I'm sure you're just the most creative with vegetables now.
0: Oh yeah. What's helped a lot is we've been doing purple carrot, which is like a cool. meal delivery service. Well, not, I mean, they deliver you the ingredients and then you prepare it yourself,
1: but it's yeah, cool because yeah, yeah. they give
0: you like 10 recipes and a recipe book per week. And you can order as many as you want. So like we order like mm-hmm. three once a month. So we have like new recipes to try, but we also have like seven other ones that we didn't try that we can try in a separate time. So that has helped us be a little more creative, which is fun. So if, if anyone listening awesome. is interested in being vegan or vegetarian or, or whatever it is, like yeah, drying those meal, those meal prep companies has been a good, a good try. For sure.
1: So great. Cause it all like has it all pre-portioned and stuff, right? Yeah. So you can just like open it, put it in. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool.
0: Well, I think half the issue that I've run into is I don't know what these ingredients are. Like now I shop at Wegmans and they have like literally everything you could want. Probably the same with like oh Whole foods or something, but yeah. just finding the ingredients. Like I'd look at recipes and be like, what the hell is this? I don't know what this is. And then I just like automatically don't try it. But now I'm like forcing myself to be like, just find the ingredient and, and make it. (laughs) (laughs) It's more fun that way. Yeah. Um, so I want to switch gears a little bit. Yes. I am very curious if you have trouble infusing like your personal life into your business. And I, I want to know, the side of when you're actually like interacting with your clients, but also in terms of like social media and like marketing, like where Mm -hmm. is the line for you? And if it differs.
1: Yeah, totally. No, this is a great question. And I think in this day and age, like as entrepreneurs who are using social media in part, like to promote our businesses um, I've put a lot of thought into sort of like how I want to show up and also how do I do this in a way that's authentic? And at the same time, how do I sort of like protect my own boundaries and my own health? Um, So this is an awesome question. I mean, I think as you can already tell, like from our chat, I have pretty much no problem talking (laughs) about like my personal journey with food. Um, I feel like with the help of one fit biz, like I've gotten, um, comfortable sort of showing up showing my face telling my story um though I do think that that's a little bit different from bringing other elements of my personal life into my business which I sometimes feel like I could do more of and I think where I'm at right now that's not for a lack of like wanting to share it's just that I'm so focused on like my message and my groups mm-hmm. and I feel like that's really what I'm compelled to share about right now um right. I mean, I do, I absolutely find being, you know, vulnerable and genuine, like really rewarding in the social media space because it, it absolutely connects me with people that I might not have met otherwise. And, um, I think that's all very wonderful. I think that the line for me becomes in terms of just like being vulnerable and sharing things that are going on in my life sort of outside of my branding story, I think that I've realized the line for me comes when, if I'm like in the thick of something that I'm working through and I'm not quite on the other side of it again, excuse me, I'm not on the other side of it yet. I have learned that that's a healthy boundary for me is for that to be, that's my my boundary. Like I keep that to myself until I have, worked through it, right. past something worked through it. And then I'm more than happy to share. But I think that, um, you know, obviously I'm an entrepreneur and I am so grateful for social media and how I've been able to connect with people. But I think that, you know, I have to realize that I'm still a human with my own needs and my own boundaries. Absolutely. And, um, as much as I love social media, I think that it's, it's going to be the great task of our generation really to like protect ourselves and protect our children. And how do we sort of like use this for the positives and protect ourselves from the negatives. And so, um, I think that's, that's kind of where I'm at with social media and bringing my personal life in right now, which I think you do an amazing job of. I feel like your content is so, so varied. Like it's so, personal to you, but then I learn things about you that really don't have as much to do with your business, but it is to do with you. And so that draws, draws me into what you're doing. So I feel like you do that very well.
0: No, thanks. Well, I was just about to say, I feel like you do the same. (laughs) Like, I think when I ask this question, people are like, I don't know. I don't know what people are thinking about, but when, when I think about sharing things that are not, you know, totally relevant to my business. I don't always think about like my relationship or like you know things like that. It's it sure. tends to be like other people's posts that I'm sharing. Like the things that other people oh, share see. like mm-hmm. tells you so much ab- about them and what they believe in, what they value, like where they're spending their energy and like what like grinds their gears, like where their pet peeves mm. are and I think that's just as important for people to know because that's just going to draw your ideal client. Towards you, not that everyone that you work with has to have the same like political background by any means, but I feel like if I was faced with the choice of working with someone who is like more aligned with my values, I'm probably Mm going to work with them because yeah, they're the person I want to spend more time with and and support too. That's where my money is going.
1: Fair, yeah, I hear you. I'm like I share a lot about my dog. I don't know. Hell yeah, we love dogs. <laughs> All the dogs.
0: We love ro
1: <laughs> It's low hanging fruit, but it's the reality of my life. My life revolves yeah. around my dog. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, what And Ro is a, how do you pronounce it? Vishla. Oh gosh.
1: Yeah, Vichla, like, you got it.
0: Nice. Well, every time I see one, I think of you and I feel like that's not the purpose of you like sharing about her but it still works for like brand recognition. <laughs> you know what i mean like in a backwards weird yeah. way. Like you never know where people are going to make the connection.
1: No, do you know what's so funny? So there is a i don't know if you've um heard of her. She's Boston based but there's a a woman who has food blog. She's a baker. Um Roma Bakery. Have you heard of her? I haven't. Her name's Sarah Crawford. Oh. So I only heard of her because um someone was like oh there's this woman she has this awesome like food page she has recipes she's a food photographer but also she has a vishla (laughs) and so like that's how like literally that because they're kind of unusual dogs they have a funny yeah. name they you know whatever they have a unique look to them and so that was how someone sent me to her because that's a piece of recognition yeah. for her so
0: and you're yeah, like she crazy. gets 10 points just for that fact yes. alone yes
1: <laughs> I mean I went straight to her page found the reels that said Tilly with a paw print and I was like yes oh, I have made it and now I go to her page all the time she has beautiful photos she has great recipes um so <laughs> (laughs) There you go. The, the great unifier.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. They are pets. Pets always do it. I know my fish and my gecko get like all the, all the messages.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. And you put up great pet content.
0: Thank you. (laughs) They're unusual. So that, that helps.
1: (laughs) They are. I love seeing, were you testing the water earlier? Is that what you were doing?
0: Yeah. So I mean, by the time this episode comes out, hopefully I'll have a new fish. But I have a I have a you can't see, but I have like a little five gallon tank for um it's meant for a beta because I just love beta fish. They're so pretty and flowy. And I want, I mean, Freya's cool. She's she's behind me, but she's not very active. So I'd like to have something next to me that I can like watch.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I bet that's very like meditative, just like watching a fish.
0: Totally. I'm going to switch gears again. Let's do it. What, what is something that you're struggling with as a, as a business owner right now?
1: Hmm. So right now I feel like I'm in a place where I'm still splitting my attention. Right. Cause I right. still work as a nurse when I'm not doing clinical days, I am working on my business and meeting with clients and having my group calls. And so I think right now it's a challenge for me to kind of balance those two mm-hmm. um, because I love them both and I love them both for different reasons. And when I'm you know, doing one, I obviously can't be doing the other. Right. Um, and sometimes this translates into you know, putting in a lot of hours on the weekends. And so I have to be very conscious that I also have to take time off. Even though, as you know, when you have right, when you have your own business, there's always something that you quote unquote should be doing, always something you could be doing, or like I'll get this idea and then I'm compelled to like, oh, I want to do this right now. But I really have to be aware of this is my designated time off. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to be more productive if I take this time. And so I think that's just trying to be careful not to turn into like a complete workaholic. (laughs) That's one of my big challenges right now, which I know. And I I think, too, there's, there's a sense for that in the kind of entrepreneurial community where it's like, hustle, grind, you know, this many hours, like, and, you know, of course there's a lot of hard work that goes into it. And I think we want to showcase that because a lot of people also like they're an entrepreneur, you get to like work whenever you want. And it's like, that's true, but there are pros and cons to that. So I think part of that is the community trying to like defend itself being like, well, we have to work really hard to build, right. you know, build our own things. And I think that's very true, but I feel like I'm kind of, actively trying to work against that narrative a little bit and just having some trust that like, if I'm well-rested, then it's going to be better for my business. It's better for my life. It's better for my relationships. It's better for everything. Everything. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, That's, it's funny that you say that because I'm working on that too actively. And I actually like renegotiate a bunch of contracts. I'm like, I'm taking on less work, but still making like the same amount of money. And it has made such a huge difference in my mood, my energy levels, forcing myself to not work 50, 60 hours a week just because I can. There have been times where I'm like done at like 4:30 and I'm like, Well, I was gonna do this thing tomorrow, but I guess I could do it now. I have 30 minutes. And instead of doing that, taking a step back and being like, No, you've done everything that you set out to do today. You have time tomorrow. You do not have to do this now. Take the 30 minutes. Like, this is why you were doing what you're doing for this flexibility and to not work so much. It's funny, we have to actively push against that. As a lot of us who are into entrepreneurship, it's because we like working, like we love what we do.
1: It's tough. Right. And that's what's so hard about it too, right? Like, I feel like if I get this moment of inspiration, I'm like, oh, I have to run with it. But just because i have a moment in time when i could be working doesn't mean that i actually should be and i feel like we're totally on the same page with that where we're just trying to trying to protect ourselves and know that like in the long run that's actually better for our businesses yep. to take time off and to maybe like if there's a day when you just can't show up like don't show up it's okay that's yeah. but that's hard it's hard to do
0: it is hard it's very hard. I can agree with that. So I'm going to switch gears again. <laughs> These last few questions are more like fun, funny, interesting. And they're, they're things that I ask my clients when I'm helping them through like a, a branding session. Um, so the first one is if you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why?
1: I feel like I have like the dorkiest answer for this. So Perfect. I will say for first of all, that I am not a car person. I like, don't know a lot about cars. Okay. But I decided, and this has like a marketing tune to it. I decided that I would be a Subaru. Nice. (laughs) Because, um, I love the outdoors. I haven't in my adult life been quite as an avid hiker as you have been Kristen, but um, not lately I,
0: for me. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> busy. Um, I worked at a summer camp in Maine for a bunch of years. I love the mountains. I love the lakes, um, big skier. And I did a bunch of wilderness trips when I was in a teen. And so I feel like I just, I see those commercials and I'm like, yes, I'm like you've <laughs> yes. got me. And then of course, back to the dogs. I mean, mm. Subaru loves the dogs I love the dogs so basically like because of their marketing I feel like I want to be a Subaru like because of what they showcase and and they're just like kind of like practical and sturdy and
0: very um, lots of space for things
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I feel like that, that would be a good fit for me if I were to be a car, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, wait, no, do I want to buy a this weird car question. or like, am I this car? <laughs> Either way. No, that I was like that. the first that. thing that came to mind. Yeah.
0: I like, and I like that you brought in like, because of their marketing, you identify with it. Cause that's like the whole point of marketing, the whole point of branding, right? Like they are trying to attract those outdoorsy people who probably right. have dogs, like Something we do in branding is we make personas and their persona, I'm willing to bet, has outdoorsy people with dogs, traveling on the weekends, hiking. And so like they're right on target for, for mm-hmm. attracting attracting you. And that's what we have yeah. to do as entrepreneurs, too, is think about our people as actual people, which can be yeah. hard to do.
1: Oh, I love that. That was very profound, Kristen. I'm on board. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
0: not always as (laughs) profound, but today Ah, you got me,
1: you
0: (laughs) You got me in a good, a good, uh, a good mood, I guess. Um, So when was the last time that someone said that like something was so on brand for you Mm. Can you think of anything?
1: Yeah. So I was thinking about how I've been very fortunate. I feel like back to social media, I think that I have found some really wonderful accounts that I relate to, I sort of want to emulate, I share a lot of their stuff in addition to the content that I create. And so um, I felt good about the fact that in being really consistent with my message I've had a lot of people reach out to me having found like other accounts or oh, having yeah. stumbled upon something and I get a lot of people sending like a post or a video being like this made me think of you and usually it's in the tone of like uh the the sort of self-compassion piece around healing your relationship with food and when someone sends me something like that or or if it's about like um like breaking food rules and and um, just thinking outside the box with food when someone sends me something like that it just gives me all the feelings because I'm oh, yeah. like yes this is like exactly how I want people to think of me and so maybe they don't say those words this is on brand for you but when they say this made me think of you yeah it just sort of reinforces to me that like I'm on the right track because people are thinking of me this way yeah so I mean being the
0: definition rewarding. of being on brand is like being recognized right yeah so that makes a lot of sense and there's really nothing that feels better than having people actually see you for for who you are and like what you believe in like I'm pretty sure I'm one of those people who probably sends you random stuff like that (laughs) like this made me think of you and I I love when people do that to me so oh my god I feel like I used to like hesitate in sending things people because I'm like I don't want them to like think that I'm thinking about them all the time but it's like the best compliment
1: (laughs) ever right (laughs) it is the best compliment ever so keep them coming to me I'll keep them coming to you (laughs) no we're so on the same page right
0: (laughs) tell me like a, a childhood story or like something about you as a kid that you think is like on brand for you
1: so I think that When it comes to my family, I can't remember how much I've told you, but I come from a big family. I'm one of four girls. So growing up, there were. I didn't know
0: that. Wow. mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So I'm the second of four girls. I have an older sister and then my younger sisters are twins. So we're kind of an interesting like combo. Um, And my family was loud and crazy and funny and I think I don't know if it's just like a middle child characteristic but um I have heard that it's very common for middle children to sort of turn to humor and turn to humor for like probably for like attention too because they're like don't forget about me like I'm I'm here too (laughs) um and so I will never forget we didn't get dogs until we were a bit older because my mom was like, I can't have a puppy. I have four puppies. Like, this is insane. And so <laughs> when my youngest sisters were old enough to sort of help out, that's when we like pulled the trigger on getting a dog. And I'll never forget. I think this was maybe like high school for me. And my older sister had been out of the house in college and my younger sisters were still around. And, you know, when people start to come back for breaks and stuff, there's just like oh, yeah. all this joy in the house because like everybody's home and we had the dog. And for whatever reason we were just like goofing around and I ended up pinning my older sister to the ground convincing <laughs> my my little sisters to go get peanut butter I love peanut butter <laughs> and so I had them like grab the peanut butter and I smeared peanut butter on my sister's face so that the dog, the dog would come oh my over. God. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, like, she could have, like, I'm not that strong. Like she definitely could have gotten up, but like was kind of leaning into the the humor of it. And so I think that's on brand for me in terms of like who I am as a person and my family. Like I'm very, I love to laugh. And that was just kind of like a goofy moment. Um, (laughs) I don't know. We've got the dogs going on and it was just like, I don't know. They, they would say that that's very on brand for me, like a little bit attention grabby, a little bit funny, mm. totally weird. So that's I like a that, that, that self-reflection
0: of you. That's, that's cute. <laughs> that's funny. Well, you are very funny. Like, I think that's something we haven't really, I don't know, brought up in this yeah. podcast, but you do have like a really funny way of of like talking about tough subjects and I, I always appreciate that and like the things that you share that are like questionable in your industry like you always like make a joke about it that's like so oh. good I'm
1: like oh my god it would take
0: me like days to think of something that funny
1: my groups tell me that I have like an endless supply of food puns. <laughs> where to god Kristen like I do not write them down they just it just come to I you. don't know if it's a gift I don't know <laughs> the food buns, like they just they flow out of me
0: (laughs) well this actually relates to my last question um when I say the funniest thing you've ever witnessed is there anything that comes to
1: mind (laughs) um so I don't know if it's just like like COVID or I like don't remember what it's like to like be out in the world but (laughs) I'm having a hard time thinking of like a specific something that I've seen that's like the funniest thing ever but I did have a memory and it kind of while I was thinking about my childhood this one came up and I remember being with um a group of my friends I think this was like middle school and we were away together one of um my friend's parents had a ski house and we were tubing so you know how like you can oh ski God. a day and some of the mountains like have tubing at night oh God, and like yeah. same kind of thing we were just like a group of like very goofy like love to laugh girls and I will never forget tubing with them and I don't know what happened but something Something hilarious happened. And really I laughed. had that very like out of you know, when you're just like laughing so hard, you're out of breath and you're like, I can't. And then I completely peed my pants. Oh my like, god. Full on, like thank god I had snow pants on, just like full bladder release peed my awesome. pants. And so while that might not have been the funniest thing that like I ever saw, like I'm That's sure they thought it mind. was pretty funny. And yeah. also, it just comes to mind, like, being in that place when something is so funny, you're, like, out of breath, and oh, yeah. maybe occasionally you pee your pants. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of the last time I laughed so hard I peed my pants recently, and I wished, God, I could remember what that I was know, about, I... but I can't, but I remember it happening, and just like laughter being so infectious when you're with people, you know?
0: Right. The most important thing wasn't the moment, like the actual thing that happened. It was sharing right. it with those people and knowing that like years later now you could probably talk to them and be like, do you remember this thing And they probably <laughs> all would remember it. <laughs> and they'd be like, oh yeah, you peed your
1: pants. Like, full on, like they, they were like, do we still need to go to the, they were like, do we still need to go to the bathroom? I was like, no I'm empty like it's gone like it's in my snow pants oh like, my god I got nothing
0: <laughs> that's the best yeah
1: and that's a little about me <laughs> I Pee my pants it's cool to pee your pants
0: <laughs> well I think like the things we find funny the things that like stick with us like it it tells a lo- tells you a lot about the person right like yeah you're not afraid to like talk about peeing your pants there's some people who are like you know like we're all <laughs> We're all different when it comes to peeing our pants.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. I thought you were just going to keep it clean. And I love that you didn't.
0: (laughs) Nope. That's part of my brand.
1: (laughs) Yes.
0: Confrontation. We love it. Yes. (laughs) Anyway, we're going to end on that note. But before we shut this down, I want to make sure I give you time to talk about whatever you want to promote and how people can connect with you
1: yeah well i feel like we got to spend some awesome time talking about my program which i'm psyched about um so i do offer one-on-one um health coaching as well as my group program the food group reset um the best way to reach me is probably through instagram Um, my handle is at um, katie underscore sunderland um oh my god yeah you're not cutler anymore (laughs) Well, it's like this whole identity crisis thing. I haven't legally changed it, but I am socially using that. But I think to some people I'll always be Katie Cutler and I'm totally fine with that. It's my middle name. So it it works. And I'm going to put all um,
0: of this in the notes so you don't have to spell it Perfect. Don't worry.
1: (laughs) Okay. Perfect. Right. Because that's what's confusing is then I also have an email. I'm happy to respond to emails as well, which is um, katie.cutler1 at gmail.com.
0: All right. I think that's it. but this has been awesome I love I love talking with you about food and and random things it's always good and I I totally 100% support your views on nutrition and eating and all that stuff so I love following your content so I highly recommend that everyone else do
1: that means so much I love talking with you too always oh thank you you're the best
0: All right. Well, that's all we have. So thank you so much again, Katie and tune in next week, everyone.